Welcome to the I Am Ken Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Uh, you know, today is an exciting day. Um, it's oddly something we're going to do a lot more now, but we are get to review the first episode of a brand new Star Wars show. Uh, we are here to talk about episode one of The Bad Batch, titled Aftermath. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, I did not think, like, even, what, a year ago, a year and a half ago, that, that is, this is something we'd be talking about. <sighs> It's so cool. It is so cool. And and a happy May the 4th to all of you as well. Um, as this episode comes out, it is uh, it will be uh, May 4th. Star Wars Day. What a great day for to premiere mm-hmm. a new Star Wars TV show. And and such yeah. a great episode. Don't, what, do, what do you guys think? I, I think it's a great, great episode. And I think the best thing about it is it kind of flashes back to where we started because we're talking about clones again. We are. We are. And uh, well, I can't wait to get into this, but this is... This is the Clone Wars. This is this is oh, yes. pretty much the Clone Wars, and I could not be happier. Oh, yes, but William, we'll get there. You're, just, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. jumping ahead. What if they don't know anything about what we're watching? I mean, I guess why would you be listening to this review if you haven't watched it yet? Good anyway, point. Tom, tell us about this episode. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the Bad Batch episode 101. It is titled Aftermath. This is directed by Stuart Lee, Sal Ruiz, and Nathan Villanueva. The episode was written by Jennifer Corbett and Dave Filoni. The episode actually is, this is the synopsis, the clones of the Bad Batch find themselves in a changing galaxy after the Clone Wars. Okay, so, now Tom, before, hang on, so William, before we dive in, Thomas, I, I want to run through, just I feel like we should walk through the cast of the show. Um, so obviously our main, one of our main characters of the Bad Batch is Hunter, and sorry Tom, yeah. who was the voice actor for Hunter? Oh, God. Uh, isn't that hmm, um, Tom Kane? I, I, I don't think it is Tom Kane. No, Tom. no, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It, D. Bradley Baker. Okay, yes. Okay, and then we've got Crosshair, who's kind of the sniper of the group. And sorry, Tom, who is the voice actor for uh, Crosshair? This one, I definitely know. I uh, think it's D. Bradley Baker. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. And then we got Wrecker, the kind of strong man of the group. Oh man, God, you're, you're, well, God, I think it's D. Bradley Baker as well. That's weird. Um, I know. So William, is this joke getting old yet? <laughs> yeah, just, just well, a little, but you know what? D. Bradley old, Baker but- is, he's incredible. He voices almost everyone in this show, right? Uh, there's a couple, there's some, there's some background characters uh, and some ancillary characters that he does not voice, of course, uh, mm-hmm. nor does he voice Omega. Uh, the the new uh, girl who's being introduced in this series. We'll talk about her a little more a little bit uh, later. She's voiced by Michelle Ang. But D. Bradley Baker, like we've always known, he's been he's just this talented, talented guy. But now he gets to headline this series, and and he's he's like the five main characters in this show. Right. Five of the six main characters in this in this show are him, and so he, it's basically the D. Bradley Baker uh, extravaganza for the for you know. 
the first <laughs> for the for the seventy minute runtime. Okay, but but I, I had to throw this one in there because we did get a crossover from the Clone Wars, and I did have to throw Tom Kane in there because it did actually open up as if you were watching a Clone Wars with a Tom Kane. This is what's going on at this point in time, like he normally does. Uh, it's not as that like we start with a Clone Wars uh, like we get the music. We have the Clone Wars opening tag title card. That's the word mm-hmm. I was looking for. Um, and then I love the like the fade away into the new Bad Batch logo. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I love this because I feel like with um, with the Bad Batch, they've been talking about it like, you know, from the studio that brought you the Clone Wars and all this thing, all this stuff. But um, they haven't ever really said like this is a continuation of the clone wars and and rightly so because i'm i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure they don't want to scare off viewers who are like oh my gosh i haven't seen the prior seven seasons i have to go catch up on this giant show before i watch the bad batch and, and the bad batch is a great starting off point for right. for new fans but, but make no mistake this is the clone wars this is the mm-hmm. clone wars if you took it took the series and instead of jumping around between different characters and different um, uh, groups and that sort of thing. You can just uh, it, instead of jumping around between you know all these different settings and planets, you focused on one group of characters. And there's no really no Jedi for the most part. There's right. a couple, but I suspect that won't be the case as we go along. If you did that, that is otherwise it's it's vir- virtually indistinguishable from the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. The Bad Batch is the Clone Wars, and so. Yeah. The fact that they they really drove that home in this premiere with Tom Kane's, you know, the, the voice of time, the narrator, that newsreel at the beginning, just like every episode of the Clone Wars always started out with. And the Clone Wars logo that perfectly blends, like uh, explodes and burns into that, um, into the Bad Batch logo. And it really drives home. This is the same logo even, right? Mm-hmm. We knew that on one level, but like there's nothing like seeing it fade from one to another here. Mm. This really sells like Clone Wars is back and it is back right. in a big way. And I could not but, be happier. And, and I think with this episode, what to me distinguishes it different than the Clone Wars is they basically reintroduced the characters to the people who have never seen a Clone Wars episode. And they did it in a logical way because, OK, sure, you're introducing this brand new character, Omega, and Omega's going through each name of the characters. But you got to actually see these characters for the first time instead of when we first were introduced to them they basically just come flying in on their ship and boom they're on a mission now you get to see where they live now you get to see that you actually get to see them in a training arena with Tarkin watching him and you get to see basically how these guys work together and what makes them different than the actual clones and it is setting itself separate from what you saw before these guys are different and I I even loved at the very beginning, we start on, was it Kala, I believe is the name of the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, we start like many Clone Wars episode did with, you know, the clone, we see Depa Balaba kind of uh, working wait, against Wait, 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 who is that again? Because that's important. Depa Balaba, I believe is what I said. Did I say it? Yes. We'll no, get, you said that. We'll, no, no, no. I, we'll I'm come. saying well, No, I, I, I'm, uh-huh. I'm saying that. I'm saying that because... <laughs> I was caught off guard because it was funny. My son Eric caught it before I did. Yeah, I was gonna. I was wondering, did you guys were you expecting what what came next? No, I, I was not. Thank you. But before we get there, I Go will ahead. say, uh, you know, we get a little bit of like classic Clone Wars battle droid humor. Uh, oh, you know, as uh, Wrecker ties the different a- uh, 
AATs together and, you know, throws them over the edge as the battle droids get shocked one by one. Like, the, it was all just classic Clone Wars. Like, oh, this is this is literally what the Clone Wars did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and t- refined to a T. Yeah. And, now, and it, yeah. It, that extends to the visuals and the, 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 the editing. Everything about this oozes Clone Wars. It screams Clone Wars, right? Yeah. The, it, it's, it's gorgeous. Like, I, I loved... Um, the way this planet looks is so much more detail and yet it it is um, it really does it, it lives up to the spirit of the Clone Wars and actually mm-hmm. it was interesting we we were um, we joined a press conference with the um, with D Bradley Baker and Jennifer Corbett the supervising writer and um, and Brad Rao the supervising director and they were talking about how that was their goal right it's it's if you compare bad, the bad batch to the Clone Wars it's not identical just like Clone Wars season seven is not identical to the Clone Wars that came before oh, oh definitely but it it, 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 it uh, can it it is uh, faithful to to the Clone Wars right and, mm-hmm. and from from that standpoint and they they really tried to to ensure that it uh, it 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 looked it was like it was like taking Clone Wars and just amping it up to another level and making it look mm-hmm. even better than ever before. Right. right. And that was their goal, and it, it they knocked it out of the park. I think it looked beautiful, and even some of the little things they did, like with the depth of field uh, adjustments in some scenes, and like the snow on the on, on the and landscapes and color, just everything looked really good. And I just have to hand it to the team because it looked and looked and sounded. Amazing, and and you got to give them props that they still know how to do lightsaber fights and lightsaber deflections and and the whole Jedi Master thing really carried itself into this episode because it starts off like a standard Clone Wars episode to where you have the clones following a Jedi into battle, and then naturally, as you said, here come uh, the Bad Batch to basically save the day, and they were the only reinforcements this Clone Wars this clone battalion was going to get. Yeah. But it's it's a great introduction to the Bad Batch because it shows that yep. the, this group of of modified clones, these you know, quote unquote defective cl- clones, are, are 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 quite powerful. And they're you know we saw them in the the Bad Batch arc in the Clone Wars uh, season seven, um, but it, you really get more time to live with them here, and and I'm really excited to see how the characters grow and change because you know even as far back as even like the Clone Wars season one and Rebel season one, the characters you know they grew a lot over over the over the series uh, in Clone Wars and Rebels, and I'm I'm very interested to see what they do with the Bad Batch here mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I you know yeah. I, I think this show though has an advantage where it's starting out like you know a lot of times Star Wars resets right and it starts young and then it kind of grows up with the audience. Clone right. Wars did that. Rebels did it. Resistance did it to an degree. Um, yeah. And this show is is really start. It's the first Star Wars um, animated series where it feels like they're starting out, uh, not like kind of resetting, but like at that the pre the level of the previous series, right. which is just so cool to see uh, for us older fans who 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 mm-hmm. who've, you know uh, who, who like love the Clone Wars. We're getting more Clone Wars. I, I keep saying and- that, but. It's true. But but I think what helps this show work is it's going to fill in the gaps between this and Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Because you get to see a Jedi Master and a young Padawan. <laughs> uh, who could that be? 
Well, that's that's something that I was even surprised because, like I said, my son picked it up, and then after he picked it up, I realized who was voicing that young character. <laughs> Steven, would you like to bring that one up? Uh, it was interesting. So I did not realize it for a long time after, uh, you know, K- a young Patton by the name of Caleb Doom shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we know from later that this he will become Kanan Jarrus, who stars in Rebels. And honestly, the thing that was funniest to me is his voice sounded really weird. I'm like, why does the voice sound mm-hmm. so deep to this like mm-hmm. young child of a Padawan? And somebody was like, oh, because that is Freddie Prince Jr. doing the voice. And yeah. He's got a great voice, but he does not pull off the, like, I'm a 13-year-old child particularly well. Hey, hey, yeah, hey, you know, you Caleb's just, his voice just, you know, changed real young. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it worked so well. I mean, like I said, my son picked it up before I did. I was like, oh, well, but it, go ahead. I mean, yeah, like, as soon as I saw Depa Balaba, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. You know, like I heard the planet, they, they mentioned there on the planet color. I'm like, something sounds familiar about this. And I couldn't quite place it. And I saw Depa Balaba and I'm like, hold on. And all of a sudden this, her young Padawan runs up and I'm like, oh my gosh, they, they actually did it. They, they're bringing in mm-hmm. Kanan, the star of rebels. And we now get to see him as a young Padawan and how he survives order 66, which I think is just so perfect on, on a number of levels because mm-hmm. one, it gives us that tie in to rebels that we never would have gotten had this show you know, come mm-hmm. before and we right. get to see how, how this, this character we, we know and love from this other show kind of gets his, his start in many ways and, and ends up on his own. But it also helps by showing the bad batch uh, and how they deal with order 66, because had they just mm-hmm. let another Jedi go, you would have had another oh. Jedi out there somewhere and you could have explained me they got killed off and tracked down or something, but t- bringing them together is just such a perfect way of showing uh, of like uh, bringing back a famous character and showing how these clones let a a Jedi survive and don't go through the order 66. Right. And it also shows the the distrust that Kanan has to clones. Yes. Because he saw he saw his Jedi master basically and she told him cuz he was going to come back to defend her, she told him to run and she watched he watched her basically fend off all these clones, Captain Gray and the rest of them, fend them off to save him. Hunter did try to bring him back. And you saw just for that brief moment, Kanan was probably going to go with him, but it didn't work. And I think it was because of Crosshair that kind of scared him away. No, you're exactly right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm bad. I'm my bad. No, you're correct. You're right. It is so... First of all, I just want to say uh, it is such a Dave Filoni move to be like, Absolutely. I've I've just dragged you through the mud, showing you the uh, Order sixty six <laughs> at the end of Clone Wars. Let's just let's rub the salt in the wound a little bit more. Um, we knew we had, we knew what? we had to see them go through Order sixty six though. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I didn't expect to see Jedi getting killed again. It just it never gets easier. Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say is. Uh, one of the things I did not expect that I'm actually very excited for is they do a really good job of the crux of the show, or at least this episode, I assume it will continue on, is this idea that Crosshair, um, you know, we know that Clone Force 99 is different. They're kind of the experimental clones. And it, uh, we learned throughout this episode that that makes them unique. They, it's why the uh, Order 66 uh, chip 
you know, mind control type thing doesn't really apply. Doesn't really four, work for them. Four out of the, uh, I'm or sorry, four out three. Of five. Yeah, four oh, out of the five. Sorry. <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> one, there's one difference. We'll get to that one later, but there's one difference out of the four. Five. Well, sorry. I was going to that it starts showing up now. So Crosshair right. is the one who he's not, uh, he's not saying no. Um, he's not instantly shooting like the rest of the clones do, mm-hmm. but he's the one who says, you know, hey, I'm, you know, we're we should be doing this. Why are right. we Why are we not doing this? And he also uh, keeps saying, "Good soldiers follow orders." Oh, perfect tie-in. Right. No, you're so right, Stephen. And and one thing I really appreciate is, is also seeing the different ways each of those characters dealt with Order sixty six. Mm-hmm. Right. Some were were confused. Uh, some kind of tried to go along with it. Like, I don't really understand, but I, I got to go along with it. Some were quick to believe Palpatine's lies about the Jedi, uh, you know, betraying the Republic and all oh, that makes complete sense. I got it. No, no right. big deal. You know? And it's really cool to see how these clones, because they, they're so different and they're the inhibitor chips, um, in their brains that forced them to follow order 66, uh, did not work because of these genetic mutations. Um, you know, they were each able to respond to it in a very different way. And it was so mm-hmm. cool to see. I really mm-hmm. loved it. And I love the dynamic it set up where you started to get this rift throughout the the whole episode uh, where, you know, Crosshair was kind of butting heads with Hunter up until the very end when it, the, you kind of get the reveal that Crosshair, I, I think, based on this episode, is going to be the big bad. He's going to be the main yep. antagonist of the show. And I just, I love that dynamic. It makes it so much more personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, I loved the Kanan surprise at the beginning. And I'm so glad they didn't spoil that in marketing. And now, mm-hmm. so I got like, I came for that. But like now I love this personal dynamic that I think adds so much more stakes to the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing that, that I really enjoyed was they actually explained why you have the three clones that basically their their chips were defective because they were clones, they were different, but it didn't explain why Echo never followed the order until now. And it was because of what happened to him on Skeko Minor, because he was part of a computer that basically inhibited, destroyed, or reprogrammed his chip to where he, which plays later into this, because there was always a mention of five clones. And it will play later about, I think Tarkin was under the impression with those five clones with Hunter and Crosshair and, and oh God, why am I blanking tech and echo and, and what am I miss? Um, Wrecker. Wrecker. All five of them standing in front of him. He thought those were the five clones that, um, that were being mentioned. He, he didn't realize echo was not one of the defective clones. Yeah. There was really only four. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about Omega. Uh, Yeah. The, the fifth, uh, which again, I love the way they wrote that. I did not see it coming. I, I knew Omega was special in some way, but I didn't really, it never connected until the near the end of the episode. Of course, Echo is not actually part of Clone Force 99, and therefore he's not a defective clone. He's not one of the five. Right. Um, what did you think of, of Omega? Steven, do you want to, what, what were your Yeah, thoughts? Steven, you go ahead. Uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised is I think how I would describe it like from from the trailer I was kind of expecting Star Wars to do what they've done in the past where they introduce kind of the the annoying kid character um and I like not that that cannot become it a good thing um Ahsoka to me is like the classic example of like Ahsoka drove me insane in the original Clone Wars movie (laughs) and for even a lot of season one I would say Mm -hmm. um obviously one of my favorite characters and just a fan favorite character in general now so that's what I was expecting out of Omega. And I 
thought she was generally fine. Like there's some definite mystery there, um, which I'm, you know, very curious to see how it plays out from here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kaminoans seem to have something going on with her, and I'm, I don't quite know what it is. But it also appears the Kaminoans, do you guys get the feeling they have something going on with the Empire as well? Because remember, you have Tarkin coming in, basically in a way telling them that he kind of wants to get rid of the clones because he can save more money by a conscription army, if I understood him correctly. And that I don't think sat well with the Kaminoans. No, and I, I, it's, it looks to me like they're working against him and the Empire in some way. Because like Nala yeah. say lets Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch, go at the yep. end of the episode. She, she prevents the, the hangar doors from closing so they can, they can escape. I don't know what her game is, though. Uh, she she clearly it's, cares a lot about Omega, and maybe it's about Omega, or right. maybe it's uh, maybe it's some other reason. I don't know. I don't know. I I do have to say I love seeing the Empire be like, yeah, we don't need it, an actual good army anymore. Right. Uh, well, that I, would explain why a stormtrooper can't shoot. Well, they even say like we can we can Tarkin has a line about like we can we'll go to conscripts now. They you know they're good enough. Right. Uh, which is I thought fit perfectly. Yeah. Um, and I'm and the Caminos are obviously uh, I'm curious to see where it goes, because obviously they are not happy about having, you know, a lucrative contract, I'm sure, disappear. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm suspicious that there's more here. Um, yes. Like, are that, they I don't know. Sorry. No, I just, like, yeah, are, go ahead. Are they like if I were them, I'd be afraid the Empire is going to try and shut them down. And like you're, you seem to be able to manufacture an army at, on demand. So maybe that's not the best thing. Or, or, or uh, just kill them all, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, on top yeah. of that, uh, on top of that, the Empire could probably shut them down because who's to say that somebody else could not want to come by later years down the road and buy their own clone army to go up against the Empire? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then that brings us back to Omega of. Um, we see a couple of younger clones around, but Omega seems to be the youngest of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find out, you know, that she is one of the experimentals. And so, Tom, I'm curious to get your take on this. William and I actually, we had uh, a virtual lunch earlier and we're talking about this. What each of the, the experimental clones has a thing. Wrecker is mm-hmm. super strong. Um, Crosshair is an amazing sniper, etc. Right. What is your impression of what Omega's uh, also, sorry, side note, the name is also very evocative. Right. Um, but what was your take on what what is Omega's thing? What you is know, her unique ability? That is a very good question that I still, to this day, am trying to figure out. It's why why is she so important? To a certain extent, you could say Namase let the clone like clone force 99 go with Omega to protect her because she's got to be some kind of secret that they're hiding from the empire. Cause again, I get back to the Camino and I don't think trust Tarkin or the empire at this point. Uh, Cause I think even the, um, the uh, prime minister of, of Camino mm-hmm. kind of had that thing about, you know, we'll keep an eye on them or something. Um, she's, she's a good shot. Put it that way. Um, she well, could she's, have, she's a good shot after that was her first shot as well. If you'll yeah. recall, well, she's not a standard stormtrooper, So what the heck? Um, I don't know. I mean, you also look at, she was wearing that little medallion on her head. Is it a possibility that maybe, okay. And this is just wild out there. 
she could have some kind of force sense and the the <laughs> now, hang on. And and the thing on the thing on her head, that little medallion, was to keep the force powers hidden. Was it and and also the quote unquote, let's say, mistake, maybe that the mistake was they were trying to go the genes flipped on this one clone. They technically she was considered the fifth mistake. Because it also, when you take a look at her age compared to the rest of Clone Force 99, she's still a young kid. They didn't accelerate her. Or so did they not accelerate her on purpose? Because she was a mistake. So you actually, so you landed on William's theory, which is she's force sensitive. Yeah. And, I, and I, to be fair, I can't actually take credit for this. Good friend of the show, Sean Keen, and I were talking, and I really wasn't sure. And he was like, I think she's force sensitive. And, I, and, and uh, it hit me. And I'm like, oh, I think you're right. I, I, it has to be but right. I actually don't think I, she is. I don't think you know. It's you know. I'm gonna say this way. Give me a coin, and it's fifty fifty. But like, what? Either why way. wouldn't the Kaminoans want to exp- like oh. create a a soldier who's force sensitive? And and I don't know if like, did they try to create someone who's force sensitive? And instead, you know, they they you know they they messed with Jango Fett's chromosomes, and and they got uh, her instead, or. And they, they got it was flipped, or is she a clone of someone else? I don't really hang know. Hang on a second. H- hang on. I think we just figured out who Ray's mother is. Just <laughs> um, oh, anyway, but I, so, sorry. I, yeah. so first of all, I think she is. I think a clone of Django, just with a flipped chromosome to become a girl because of the uh, accent. I think. Like I love how they had. Well, she had a, accent, the, she actually, yeah, a New Zealand accent, like and she did too. look. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, my. But my theory is that her ability is she is uh, the quintessential fast learner. She watches Clone Force 99 in the arena, and then she's able Mm -hmm. to shoot a blaster with accuracy. And at the end of the episode, when they're going to hyperspace, um, the show makes a point of having her watch, I believe it's tech, pilot the ship, um, which controls he's flipping, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Which leads me to believe that... You know, she's that is her learning how to fly a ship. Hmm. She she's a sponge. She's gonna yeah, be with exactly. them. She's gonna watch everything they do, and she's basically has the ability to soak up the information she's learning as she goes. Yeah, I I like yeah, that. But, I like your theory, Stephen, because it's. I feel like the force sensitive theory is. It's easy. I think it would make sense logically for the Kaminoans to want to create someone who's force sensitive, and yet. Um, it might be interesting to have a different type of ability than like, oh, okay, she has the force. I still think they'll probably go with the force sensitive route, but the the fast learner is a really interesting one that you know a lot would allow her to yeah to kind of soak up and really become a, a kind of a, a blend of of all of their abilities. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. Wreckers might it be a little harder, sense. but <laughs> oh. it's gonna be very fascinating to see how she grows as a character going forward. What little Easter eggs are they going to throw to us about her Mm. backstory with these four? Yeah. I really liked her as a character though. I I did. And I I thought they did a really good job uh, um, of making her seem young and naive and yet also kind of, um, you know, kind of smart and, you know, not not like annoying. And all credit to Michelle Ang and the the writers on on that. Mm. I thought she was a great character. I'm very excited to see I, what I, happens to her. And, and I think the best thing they did with it, it wasn't a character that they forced on you. 
She was a character that was there and had a purpose in the show, not just somebody there to be there. And that I think is what's going to help that character further down the, further down the road, because there's a purpose for her in this show. We as the viewers now need to figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So did, did you guys, did you guys love, sorry to interrupt, but did you guys love the battle simulation that, that he, that Tarkin put the bad batch through now, the second set of droids that came out, did those droids look familiar to you? Because I swear to God, I thought I'd seen them before. I think they were Imperial Sentry droids. But is that didn't, right? Didn't they kind of, but didn't they kind of remind you what was inside um, Dark Forces as like the second level of they, droids? They did look oddly familiar. They I do looked agree. so familiar. Yeah, I had the same. I had the same feeling. Okay. Um, yeah, but actually, so I wanted to. Well, let's come back to the uh, the battle simulation. I, first, I want to talk about how you know we now we've just seen Order sixty six, right? Um, I loved how this episode really drives home how quickly the Empire like takes over, and clearly Palpatine had a plan for all of this. He had mm-hmm. he had all. It wasn't just okay. Ec- or, and when I execute Order sixty six, kill the Jedi, be done. He had a whole the whole pl- everything planned out for how he goes and dismantles the Republic, right? And it's, um, you know, it's, like, by the time the Bad Batch lands on Camino, we see that they've already implemented clearance codes. And they've deployed the Coruscant Guard. Um, everything, like, Tarkin all, immediately arrives and starts shutting down the uh, the production of the new clones and breaking the contract with uh, the Kaminoans. Thankfully, you know, they're not the Republic anymore, so I guess... <laughs> the contracts are void, um, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and, and starting to to evaluate everyone. I just thought it was really cool to see how quickly the Republic turns into the Empire. Right. What, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, one of the things I, I agree, William, and it's it really is that we've never actually seen this period before in, you know, the Star Wars canon, I guess. Um, there are a couple of novels, I think, that take place, you know, immediately post, uh, what do you call it, like, post-Empire taking over. But we haven't seen it in the new canon. We haven't seen it in shows ever, for certainly. And it's, it's a really neat detail to see what it looks like when the Empire takes over. It's exactly as uh, destructive in some ways as you'd expect. I will say, my one complaint is that apparently Tarkin just does everything. Uh, <laughs> oh, Yeah. He, you know, immediately at the end of episode three, he's working on the Death Star. Apparently, he's also the one who's responsible for dealing with the uh, decommissioning of the clones. Like, what else did Palpatine send over to Tarkin? Like, that just seems that, like too much. You okay, know? That's true. Although I did like how he, I thought it, it tied in nicely with his personality in the Citadel arc where he was very anti-clone. Yeah. And so it made a lot of sense that Palpatine would send him to, be, to go shut down, uh, shut down production. Um, Tom, your thoughts? I I completely agree with that. Um, I just like, first off, in this show, they make Tarkin look a little bit more creepier than he did in the Clone Wars. Um, <laughs> and, and I guess you can look at it by way of the, the animation for the episode was so ahead of what we saw from season seven of, of you know, the Clone Wars. Um I find it fascinating that, yes, you have the shock troopers on Camino. It even got, you know, the Bad Batch 99 sitting there, uh, clone, sorry, uh, 99 sitting there looking at it going, shock troopers. 
Um, but it makes sense that the Republic's gone. And who's best to shut down the Republic? If it can't be Palpatine, it's got to be Tarkin. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, but I, also, I, I was going to say, but also, it does set up a good dynamic because, Stephen, you did point out that the distrust of Tarkin to clones, it does set up Tarkin sending Clone Force 99 to Honoron to take care of a group of insurgents, basically setting them up to possibly fail and to show that, hey, these clones, we got to get rid of them. I'd say not even just possibly. Like the plan was for them to fail. Oh, I know, but but you, you just okay, fine. I was gonna say you gotta give Tarkin a grain of salt. No, you don't. It's not a grain of salt. Tarkin, no, he wanted to... no, he said about to fail every single time from the from the training from the battle simulation that turns into a live fire exercise midway through. And it was a cool yep. sequence, by the way. I, I did enjoy oh, that. Absolutely. To the mission yep. to Onderon, Tarkin was setting them up to fail every step of the way. Well, he sent an Imperial Paul probe droid. To spy on them to make sure they got it. He knew they weren't going to take care of it, but he sent a probe droid so he can have video evidence that they didn't do it. They are defective. We got to get rid of the clones because these guys have just a little too much. Um, oh God, what am I trying to think? Free will. Uh, free will. Word. Thank you. Thank they you. won't just kill the. Uh, what word was I going to use? Um, the civilians and refugees from. Uh, you know, that are on Onderon, led yeah. by the one and only Saw Gerrera. Which is just such so a perfect time. Nicely. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and I thought um, Andrew Casino, who voiced, uh, he voiced Saw, Saw Gerrera in the Clone Wars originally. I, I really liked how he tried to modulate his voice a little bit more to sound in between his voice in the Clone Wars and mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker's, uh, um, his, his version of Saw Gerrera from Rogue One. And yeah. I thought that was really nice. And again, they tried to find a, uh, a, a visually a Sagara that's kind of in between. And it's really cool to see. You know, I, I like that they're bringing in Sagara again, even though he he originated in the Clone Wars. Bringing him back really helps to tie together all the disparate parts of the saga. And I think that's one thing these this, this episode does really well. This premiere is start to tie together different parts of the mm-hmm. of the saga. And it also shows how brutal the Empire is, because here you have Tarkin sending Clone Force 99 to put down an insurgency, and look what they found. They found basically women and children mm-hmm. and old Republic soldiers, well, Republic soldiers that you know were once soldiers for the Republic, now they're part of the insurgency. And it's like, or insurrection? It's like, well, wait a minute. The, I, I, the, this is where you saw the turning point within three of the five, three of the four clones. Yeah. That's the easy way to put it. Three of the four clones because echo, I don't think is part of that, but, uh, the, the bad, bad thing, but you saw that turning point with them just going, this is, this is not right. Mm-hmm. And even saw Guerrero pointing out, you know, yeah, the, the, uh, what was his best line that he put out? You know, the, the clone wars may have ended, but the civil war is just beginning. <laughs> so basically we are seeing now, that part of the quote unquote rebellion starting at that point. Yeah. And it, it's a small appearance by Saw Gerrera, but um, right. just like it was a small appearance by Kanan uh, at the end of the day, right. you know, it wasn't a very, it was just in for uh, the first half of the first 10 minutes or so. But mm. it, it, I just really liked how they start to, to tie everything together. And it, it really helps Clone Force 99 realize the empire they, they used to serve is, 
they're not good. And for us Star Wars fans, I think it can be uh, we 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 know Star Wars so well. It's like, of course, the Empire's bad. But if you put yourself in their shoes, the, the clone right. shoes, they've been fighting this war for three years. They were they were born and bred to and and trained to fight this war, and they fought it this war for three years underneath the Jedi. That's all they've known. They've only been alive for three years. Oh, well, sorry, they've been alive for thirteen years. Uh, but they've they trained for ten years there, uh, and then uh, fought for three. Um, they've only really known the Jedi. They've only known this war. And suddenly they've been told this, this government they're fighting for. Um, all of a sudden they're starting to see it's like something's wrong. Like the Jedi all of a sudden died and in, in, in strange circumstances. And all of a sudden things are, are not what they appear to be in the empire and they have to turn their backs on the empire. That's a big deal. Like they've been mm-hmm. fighting for the empire for, for three years and and the best thing is, Saw Gerrera Sethern said, you've got to choose your side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they did. And, 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 you know, it shows they're not just going to go on the run right away because uh, they, they want to do the right thing. They're, they're, they have a really good heart. They want to go help people. Um, you know, and their first step is to go back and rescue Omega and, and try to save her. Because they realize that Omega knew something was wrong too, and she's special, and she doesn't deserve to be there. It's no longer safe for her mm-hmm. on Camino, right? And so they go back and stage a rescue. So, what did you guys think when they went back to um, Camino, and they're basically right before they get thrown in jail? We got to see an old friend that was um, kind of helping out Fives. I was very surprised to see Azi three again. That was it. Was cool to see. I, I yeah. I, yeah. It is because like AZI three, I guess he was not one of those like favorite characters of all time, you know. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, I did not remember that it was a character <laughs> in the first place. You didn't? Nope. Had he was no the one that was following was. fives all over yeah. the place when during when the top, orders arc. When, right. I I. It's not that I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I, I just have zero recollection of any of that oh that's, I mean, <laughs> no, that's, that's okay and, and you're right you know like he's a minor character and yet i yeah. think it's this just serves to reinforce that this is clone wars this is clone wars yeah. 2.0 it, it's got you know minor characters like azi3 big characters like saw guerrera started out as a minor character in the clone wars and appeared on screen and in rogue one um continuation of all these plot threads it's it is the clone wars at the yeah. end of the day and it's so so amazing um, but yeah, we, we get to see AZI three with, uh, with Omega and they're kind of looking through the, uh, clone force 99s, um, little hangout, their little headquarters. And of course they get caught and, and get thrown in jail with, uh, with the bad batch when, when they arrive to go, to go rescue them. And this is where I think the, this is where the, the rift really forms. Like there was always this rift between, crosshair and everyone else particular hunter yeah um, but when crosshair is taken by tarkin and nalase and uh basically like they they increase the uh, strength of his inhibitor chip and effectively reprogram him so that he will mm-hmm. become the series big bad it's a amazing I, dynamic i love yeah. it yeah i so glad they do. Like, 
Well, William, you talked about this at the beginning. Like, uh, one of the things, I, especially Dave Filoni, is I think famous for, at least in my mind at this point, is creating characters that feel a little bit off or one-dimensional at the beginning, and then just layering depth and depth and depth on top of them throughout the series. And having Crosshair become the antagonist suddenly adds in this dynamic of like, oh, they're no longer just this group of super clones. Now they're a fractured group. They are mm-hmm. at odds with each other. Um, it it really does set the show up, I think, for a really fascinating uh, storyline, which I'm excited to see. I feel like it yeah. single-handedly did it too. Like, yeah, there's yep. a lot of really cool stuff about the about the Bad Batch that I'm very excited about. about. But for whatever reason, that dynamic instantly made me even more excited about the show than I already was. And because mm-hmm. it added stakes. Tom, well, your, it, your thoughts? It adds the stakes. It adds the stakes because Crosshair knows how the other ones think. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that makes it so fascinating that you basically, in a way, have a turncoat that. I would almost want to say not so much they they they, they kind of brainwashed him by using that inhibitor chip by making it so strong, but he's still got all the memories. He still has all the tactics. He still has this. He still has that. He he may not have what tech has when it comes to the the computer programming. He may not have the enhanced um, senses of Hunter, the strength of Crusher. You know, but still, it's a dynamic that the four of them went on so many battles for. And you even saw Crusher go into their their uh, room on Camino and kind of put a mark on there of how many battles they've been through. So you've seen this group through so many battles now fractured because one was super programmed to go against them. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tarkin. Yeah. And even without the programming, like he was already leaning... Uh, he's already uh, frustrated by them, but it, this right. really was what put him over the the top. So prediction time. Do you guys think he'll be the big bad for the the season, the series? What are your thoughts here? Okay, I well, would that's say a season. Thank you. Is my guess because because the, the biggest thing is if you're talking season, I agree. If you're talking I mean, uh, series. Is this just a one-off or is it going to be a season two or a season three or a season four? Yeah. So, and we don't know. We don't know the length. Yeah. And I think right now the, the, the best way to put this for crosshair, let's just say for these episodes, I do see him being the big bat just because of the dynamic that is now shattered between the, I, I will say the five of them, but really the four of them, how that dynamic is now shattered. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, it's Tom, you, you brought up the number of episodes uh, at the, at the bad batch press conference. Um, that the question actually came up, you know, how many, uh, how long is this series? Is it a finite uh, number of episodes? And, um, uh, you know, are there, are there plans for finite episodes? And, uh, supervising director Brad Rao confirmed it is like they do have plans for a finite number of episodes. Um, but, and that elicited laughter from D Bradley Baker mm-hmm. and supervising writer, uh, Jennifer Corbett. So you can kind of tell something, something interesting is, is going on there, but I don't know why they're being so cagey about the, the mm-hmm. length. Is it one season? We don't even know how many episodes there are. To, right. Honestly, like we know that there's at least 14 cause uh, Kevin Kiner, the composer, recently said he was working on episode 14, uh, which is longer than your standard Disney Plus show. But 
yeah, we really don't know how long this could be a limited series. It could be a long-term series. Right. But they, they clearly have a, at least currently have a plan for a specific number. I would think the best thing for them, if they have a plan, they have to have a plan that's going to bridge between Clone Wars and end right before Rebels. And they can tell the stories within that time frame, mm-hmm. which to me, that makes sense because there is so much storytelling they can tell within this time frame to get you to that point that we are lacking that I would rather read and see than some other stuff out there. So I want to see this. And if it's a finite, I can live with it saying, this is how many, because we're going to get you to here. And then I'll be fine because there's a certain point in which a show can go for so long. It gets a little old. If they can plot it out and keep you interested up until a certain point and say, we are technically, and, and they don't have to say when, but we are technically going to get you here and it's plotted out and it's thought out. Then you've got me. Yeah. I think it'll be very interesting to see where they end up going with the show. Um, yeah. Uh, I think we've got a very clear, at least season one, which I expect is Clone Force 99 on the run from the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to find shelter, trying to figure out where they where they can go. And what their um, place is in the world now. Right. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting. I. There are many different paths I think they could take it. Does it go like we know Fennec Shand is in this? Mm-hmm. Do we yep. are we gonna veer into kind of the Mandalorian underworld type of uh part of Star Wars? Are we gonna go into the rebels and rebellion side? And Rex briefly um, showed up in the trailer, uh the second trailer, yeah, yeah. very briefly. Uh yeah. so maybe we'll get more of an understanding of how Rex ended up where he was at uh in, mm-hmm. in Rebels. I don't know. I'm yeah. It's, it's going to be fascinating to find out, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm yeah. very excited. And this is one of the things I talked about as well. Um, Brad Rao talked about how, you know, they're this team of elite clones in this changing time period. And, you know, yes, they're the best of the best, but they're also kind of in a fish out of water scenario, right? They have to learn how to raise this child Omega. And, and, and he talked about how in many ways, like they're all children, right? They, they don't, they, they're used to, uh, fighting their battles, but then they go home and they have all their food made for them and mm-hmm. everything's very stable and, and consistent. And, yeah. and all of a sudden now they've lost their entire support system and they are on their own completely with mm-hmm. no help uh, and, and on the run and taking care of this, this young girl that's kind of like this, you know, uh, father, child or uncle niece relationship. It's fascinating. You know, yeah. it really is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, connections they make going forward. Who are they going to like? Like, what line are they going to walk? How, how how much in the center between you know the empire can they stay or the rebellion they can stay? Where are they going to place within the world? And I'm fascinated, but that's the one thing I appreciated about the um, the uh, books about you know. Um, uh, the the clone war the clone books that were written by you know the author that Travis me. yeah thank you Karen Travis yeah I'm because the best thing I liked about those is when I think Jedi Itain Itan she was able to sense the clones and you got a feeling that they were kids they were this they were that and you got to see the clones mature through that her eyes and through the eyes of these books now we're getting it in my opinion with this series yeah. 
yeah, it's it's such an exciting time period to see how the clones deal with Order 66 and the rise of the Empire. Yep. And uh, actually, uh, head writer Jennifer Corbett's, her, her background, actually, she was in the U.S. Navy and has an interest in military history. And so she talked about how she is, she's bringing that, similar to Karen Travis in many ways, right? She's bringing that to the show uh, and because she, she knows this type of thing so well. She's, she's lived it uh, and is able to bring that, that kind of that family dynamic um, to this, this show. And it's, it's and really cool. And that's... And that's what I think I'm going to appreciate about this, because when you look at Rogue Squadron, it's going to be coming out soon. It's the same thing. You've got people who know the story they're going to tell and they know how it's going to work. They know the dynamics. They know the background. And they're going to put that into the story, which is going to make it so much more interesting to watch and read and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah, it's. It's cool. I'm excited. I, I think this episode really uh, knocked it out of the park. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure. Dave Filoni's a very busy man now, and, right. and I wasn't sure how involved he was going to be. You know, they they talked about how he was involved in in Resistance, and he was to a degree, but not really in the day to day. And I think as while Resistance had its had its strengths, it showed that you know that he wasn't as as involved, and this show felt like Clone Wars and Dave Filoni right, co-wrote right. it. So he's clearly involved. Um, Brad and Jennifer were talking about how amazing he is to work with. And I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised. I wasn't sure what to expect going into this as the, you know, it was going to be another, it was Dave, how, how involved was going to be Dave again. I don't know. And uh, this is, this is everything I've, I wanted really. And, and I'm very excited to see how, the 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 bad batch continues to grow yep and change so yeah so and i i really like what you said if you had to like i don't know give a number <laughs> how you felt about this episode oh. mm. <laughs> yeah okay yeah uh steven you know what since we're talking numbers why don't you go first you would i was you know tom he's sitting here trying to throw it at william so <laughs> william has to give a number and you just turn it right right around on me. And so now I'm going to buy you, myself some time okay. to think about it. So I'll I, go first. No, I can go, Tom. Okay. So I I did really, I didn't have any expectations going into Bad Batch. I didn't quite, I, this is one of the cases. I'm like, uh, we talked about like the High Republic looks like. I didn't. I had no expectations going in. Mm-hmm. I watched the trailer for Bad Batch. I knew a little bit about what to expect. Um, and I'd say this generally delivered on it. Um, it was more Clone Wars. Um, and this one very much felt like, I would say, uh, a classic Clone Wars episode. And it does almost an interesting where it starts out almost too classic Clone Wars, how I would describe it. Like we're getting battle droid humor and things like that. Um, and I, I think it's as the episode goes on, it starts to break the Clone Wars mold a little bit as we, you know, focus in on a single set of characters, obviously for the whole time, as we go Mm. into, um, the training facility and see the empire show up, uh, you know, do its thing and so on. And I'm curious to see how they evolve the clone wars formula, um, throughout the rest of the season. Um, I suspect we're going to get a little bit farther and farther away to it closer to something, uh, perhaps more like rebels or perhaps more like even Mandalorian potentially. Right. Um, but for this episode to me, this was just 
this was just good Clone Wars. Um, so I'm going to give it, you know, the, the classic Clone Wars rating. I don't know if it's classic. William, I know you've got the data. I, I bet you, like, <laughs> uh, I would give this episode an 8 out of 10. I'm curious if that matches my average for You know what? I, I had just put your rating into the spreadsheet, and I was like, and I guessed it exactly right. Uh, <laughs> Is, was I generally about eight? Uh, let's uh, let's do a quick uh, sum. Um... <laughs> while you're talk, while you're doing that, um, it just I I'm really looking forward to what they're doing here, and I I think right. my biggest complaint is the Bad Batch is still a little on the two dimensional side. Um, Wrecker, I think, being the most prominent of like he's the big guy that likes to smash things, um, and I oh, I go I, ahead. Even there, I don't think that bothers me as much because Dave Filoni has proven time and again that, like, that annoying character that, uh, you know, is going to, I don't know, feels two-dimensional at the beginning will grow and add depth throughout. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'm, I, it's one of those things where, like, I wish it was, I wish we had a more three-dimensional character to start with, but I'm not at all worried that we will get there. Um, it'll just take some time. And so, yeah, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten Womp Rats. Uh, and far away across the galaxy which is is... (laughs) sorry go ahead finish finish your womp rat yeah finish your womp rat they don't want to hear william and then i'll go next halfway across the galaxy there's a planet called wamino uh where the waminoans are cloning womp rats for the clone womp rat army and there's eight of them who are in wone force 99 um for womp rat clones and uh, they are also now on the run. And the finale of uh, Bad Batch, I expect, is going to be these two experimental forces uh, joining together to defeat the Empire once and for all. And then there's another Empire that comes in that we, the one we see later, obviously. Anyway, so William, I, I think this is a quintessential Clone Wars episode. I've given an 8 out of 10. How did I rate <laughs> the Clone Wars series itself? Uh, shockingly, uh, you rated it an average of 8.066. <laughs> I will wow. take it. I am nothing if consistent. Oh, yes. I, yes. Uh, but no, it, yeah, I, 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 I honestly couldn't agree more. This is, this was a, this was a great episode. I loved I loved being able to, to 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 see the. I know a lot of people didn't. Some people didn't love the Bad Batch in the Clone Wars season seven. Um, I enjoyed it though, and I think I think people really. I think that was probably the the, the biggest reaction we saw when the series was announced. Was like, ah, oh, if I was gonna pick some clones, it probably wouldn't have been the ones I wanted to see a whole series based off of. But they are the most different. Uh, they have these unique abilities, and I think we're gonna see them get a lot of really great depth throughout this, this series. Dee Bradley Baker just voices them so well. And the fact that this is the clone wars, this, this is a continuation of the clone wars mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's no, um, uh, there's no way, no, no way around it. Like this is clone wars and I love it. And it's so cool to see. And sure, you know, some people might be a little upset that it's Kanan's backstory is slightly different than the Kanan comic and what happens during Order 66, but like it's the same same planet, very much same situations. I don't really care. Like whatever. I, I just love how they handle this. We got to see Kanan. We got to see Saw Gerrera. We got to see how the clones become the Empire. This episode was so packed. It was so full of content at 70 minutes long and yet it just flew by and mm-hmm. it, it surpassed my expectations. I was so excited for it. 
Um, you know, I, I think I think I'm gonna give this nine Womp Rats uh, out of ten. Um, you know, this was just a, a great way to kick off this show and see the emotion of Order sixty six again. And I can't wait to see where they take this. So I'm gonna give it nine Womp Rats out of ten. And um, you know, uh, there's we may not be on Wamino, Stephen, but the the Kaminoans uh, did experiment by trying to to merge Jango Fett's DNA with some Womp Rat DNA, and that's how they got Omega. So <laughs> she's part Womp Rat. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm splitting the difference. I almost went higher, but I realized the problem is if I were to start out high, then where am I going to go from there? So I'm going to go at it 8.5 for this episode. There's really not much more that I can say that Stephen and William, you both have covered. I enjoyed the episode. I am very fascinated to see how Omega fits into all this because I do believe, yes, she's a sponge. It's going to just start everything she sees. It's going to start just getting into her, let's say, clone DNA. And you'll start seeing these things slowly start to develop. And then you'll see her place within the series. And that's what I'm fascinated to find out. What is her place going forward with or with basically Clone Force 99? So... With my 8.5 Womp Rats, Stephen, you mentioned Wrecker is only a two-dimensional character. I think he's he he's a he's a 2.5 because did you see that Omega helped him get his Tuca doll that was <laughs> in their room? And I and I think it. the Tuca doll was named Lula or something. Yeah. Now here's okay, so here's the thing. If if he is only a, a two-dimensional Throw in that little Tuka doll. He, he, he's, they're developing him because I wouldn't have expected that from this big old gruffy guy. And the reason why they were able to find the Tuka doll that Omega was able to find was because those 8.5 Womp Rats kind of pushed it in the open for her. So that way she can find it to give to Wrecker. So when he needs it, it's there. Nice. Not a problem. Yeah, this is no, this was a, this is a great, a great premiere. I'm very excited. I, I can't wait to hear what the rest of the fans think. Yeah. Uh, I think it's gonna be awesome. Um, and, and I can't yeah, wait to see where they develop comments it. on Facebook for us. If you want, leave yeah. the comments on Facebook. We'd yeah. Let us it. know what you think. This is a really, really great new show. Can't wait to hear your thoughts before we close out for the evening. I, I have to ask uh, one more thing we didn't talk about. What do you guys think? Like, when do you guys think production on this show started? Uh, was it during Clone Wars? Was it after Clone Wars Season 7? Because part of me wonders if they weren't able to start uh, to do the Clone Wars in in many ways Season 7 because they knew they were going to reuse all the same assets and the same pipelines and the production processes. Uh, they, They talked about how the Clone Wars was so... They hadn't done it in so long. They couldn't just like reuse all the stuff. The tech had moved on. They had to go and like get everything working again. It, it looks to me like they were just continue using this in the bad batch and, and they were able to have so many more characters and, and aliens and all this kind of stuff in this, in this premiere because they had the whole pipeline in place. Do you think like this was always part of the plan when they brought back season seven uh, and, and kind of was a way to get the green light really My, to go produce it? I think it probably was as they were finishing up season seven, but I think the thing that actually triggered this show into creation was them realizing that the Cassian or series was not going to, and uh, the Obi Kenobi series, which I think were the kind of the first two uh, shows alongside Mandalorian, were not going to be coming out as soon as they wanted. 
And when they realized they needed, they had a little bit of a gap in production schedule, they said, hey, Dave, you got any other ideas? And the rest is history. <laughs> that might be a good question to ask somebody at Celebration next year, just for the heck of it. I don't want to guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have a feeling that there there were the, the two the two people were related, and and even like the appearance of Kanan. Remember how we talked about how uh, at the beginning of Clone Wars uh, season seven we had that brief flash of Depa Balaba and Kanan via mm-hmm. hologram, and at the time we're like that's so cool, right? I'm sure they'd already created the asset for the Bad Batch, or vice versa. They were like, we'll just reuse them, you know. Well, uh, well put it this way: what what is yeah. what if I what have I always said? If you call attention to something, yeah. you gotta use it later. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and it's it's so cool to see how they're able to reuse that stuff, or 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 we're able to to use the Clone Wars to justify making the Bad Batch, or vice versa. Like we'll make the Bad Batch, but you yeah. have to let us make the Clone Wars uh, in in the process. So either way, I'm excited, and it's yep, it's really so cool. My. Clone Wars, love to see how it's going to go forward. Yeah, Clone Wars is back. Well, uh, it, next, not, not not next week, on Friday, so in just a couple days as you're listening to this, uh, the second episode of The Bad Batch will be released. Uh, that's season one, episode two, Cut and Run. Uh, in this episode, The Bad Batch, visit an old contact. So stay tuned. Uh, very excited to uh, to discuss this episode as well. So we'll we'll be back just later this week with our review mm-hmm. of season one, episode two. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.